Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Money Mitch Effect. My name is Mitch Michaels, and thank you for joining me on this sports podcast where we have quite a bit to discuss in the world of sports, the world of football and baseball. Matt Wittenberg joins the show. We talk about the college football rankings, some big upsets last week, some teams going down, and a slate of college football with some conference games that we are so excited for. We also talk some baseball with my guardians making the playoffs. His Dodgers just continue to roll. A lot to discuss the world of college football and baseball with Matt Wittenberg. And then Adam Musto, NFL expert, calls in to discuss a crazy week three in the NFL. Chiefs, Bills, both go down. Chargers killed by the Jaguars. And uh, some surprise teams continue to win. It's Matt Wittenberg and Adam Musto now on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, back again to talk some college football, some baseball. Matt Wittenberg calling in. Matt, thanks for joining the show. Um, good time of year uh, for all of us, uh, us two in particular, with baseball ramping up uh, and now college football. But thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And you caught me at a time where my uh, baseball team and my college football team are basically at opposite ends of the spectrum as mm. far as success goes. So. Got a nice little uh, dichotomy there with that one. Yeah, I don't think I have to ask you where uh, what you think of your NFL team, where they would uh, land on that spectrum too. But uh, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, if we're gonna start with positives, the baseball team, um, and, and obviously the Dodgers keep continuing to dominate, and it's all World Series or bust for them. But uh, another great regular season. I'm just shocked that the Cleveland Guardians uh, are in the playoffs with. Now currently the 26th lowest payroll in baseball, um, and a lot of a lot of noise was coming out of the Windy City from the White Sox about how this division was theirs to lose. Well, they lost it to the Cleveland Guardians. So uh, I was just stunned. They certainly I, did. I was stunned. I actually got to be there at the clinching game in Texas by chance. It was great to see, and it was you know the beauty of baseball, right? It's a team game. This wasn't even Jose Ramirez's top season by any stretch. He still played well, but you thought that that would be the way that they would do it, but they got. Players stepping up. The pitching has always been there. Uh, and Terry Francona, Tito, just always finds a way. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, really a story of the uh, some of the parts is greater than the whole. So, yeah, guys stepping up. Like, I mean, I had never heard of Stephen Kwan before this season. And Andres Jimenez is just doing his thing, getting on base. And your uh, fan favorite guy, uh, Josh Naylor, just plugging <laughs> away. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's been cool to see, especially with so little uh, faith in that team heading into this season. I mean, I'm sure you always believe, but uh, yeah, outside media is all in on the White Sox and even some love for the Twins going into this mm -hmm. season. But yeah, neat to see for sure. And then I'll always good to see. I mean, it's sort of ironic that I'm a fan of like the team with the biggest payroll, but I still like to see the team with teams with lower payroll, like the Guardians yeah. and the Rays still get their chance to run in. Yeah, and uh, you know they, they. I think part of it is it goes without saying this has been one of the worst, if not the worst divisions in baseball. So that opened the door. I think that's obviously mm -hmm. something that's fair to say. But you talk about the sum of the parts with Classe closing. I mean, he's been great. Bieber and McKenzie have been the top two. They didn't even really need Plezak, who keeps injuring himself, uh, one yeah. way or the other. <laughs> But no, I mean, and, and you know, the, the talent development, I've always been critical. I'll remain critical of this ownership that they are cheap, that they don't keep the good players that they find, but you have to give credit to the front office and the scouting for finding some mm -hmm. of these guys. Oscar Gonzalez was one that came kind of out of nowhere uh, and has really stepped into a big role. 
Uh, they just have a lot of players, Naylor, that can go back and forth. And, you know, it's been it's been good to see Quan stepping up, hitting the grand slam in that game. I don't have a lot of expectations for the playoffs, but just to get there has been fun and getting there with a the young team uh, has been good. Yeah, absolutely. I know you're and then, of course, like you said, Tito leading the oh, way. It's yeah. always cool to see him and the picture you sent me, his celebration mode with the uh, cigar in the clubhouse afterwards. Just, so you my, can't hate on that guy. My favorite butterball in uh, all of sports for sure. <laughs> Uh, now, I mean, where are you at right now with the Dodgers? Because I know it's just been a phenomenal regular season, but are you tempered because of how many times this division's happened? I know you don't want to take it for granted, but you got this, I don't want to say pressure, but for this iconic regular season team that they've been, it's like they have to, I think, add one more World Series to be considered one of those great historical teams. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I mean, I'm generally more of a, I don't know, not necessarily pessimistic, but more of like a realistic fan. Like I know that this team has some flaws that can really come to roost in October where everything sort of magnify, like the pitching injuries just continue to pile up. And in short playoff series, you need to rely on consistent yeah. pitching. And then Craig Kimbrell is he thankfully removed from the closer role now, but he's doing his best Kenley Jansen impression from the last few years. So that hasn't improved at all. Um, and it's going to be some stressful series. I, the NL is pretty good, too. I mean, you look at the two teams in the NL East, the Braves and the Mets, uh, the Cardinals are pretty strong as well. So I don't think it'll be a cakewalk by any stretch. But, I mean, I would be very, very surprised if this team didn't make the NLCS at least. So, yeah, really high expectations, of course. But I'm realistic in my view that yeah. there could be some uh, some chinks in the armor that could come to roost come uh, those short series. It's funny because, you know, we do the college football comparisons a lot. It's like Alabama with Saban and his kickers. It's like the Dodgers and their closers. It's like the one thing yeah. <laughs> that isn't just like the one thing that isn't rock solid. And I know it's it's World Series or bust in the NLCS, at least, looks like a safe bet. But, you know, if it would be the Cardinals in that divisional round, I know your history with them. And I would be worried about the, uh, about the uh, you know, storyline possibilities with Pujols in his last year. As I know yeah, how much, yeah, I know how, it's been a while since you really hated them and had a reason to hate them. So I'm just getting you worried for it already. Yeah, he and him hitting uh, 700 at Dodger Stadium too, just a couple days ago. So that was neat to see. But obviously, I would have rather he do that against anyone but the Dodgers. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, the lineup is stacked as ever. Freddie Freeman's been as advertised, and and then some coming over this season, and then just. Trey Turner and Mookie Betts doing their thing. And then even Max Muncy coming along late in the season has been huge. So, yeah, yeah th there's nothing I can really pick on in the lineup, but it all come down to pitching as far as how much success this team can have in uh, October. Yeah, only one division race in baseball uh, would be the Mets and the Braves, but they're both going to make the playoffs either way. So it's who gets that wild card spot. Um, you know, Goldschmidt's looking like a, a sure thing MVP in the NL and in the AL. It's going to be Judge who just can't seem to hit that, you know, 61st home run. It's been fascinating <laughs> to see in the walks last night, four walks in the game against the Blue Jays. Uh, I understand it. I understand why people don't like it, but you know, that's, you know, it's like 18 intentional walks this year. I think Bonds was in a hundred when he was playing. So not yeah, the worst. Exactly. Yeah. I was definitely thinking of the same thing last night, seeing the box score. Like, yeah. I remember those prime Bonds years when they would literally intentionally walk him with the bases loaded because one run was better than giving up a grand slam to him. I'm just like, please no Astros. That's the only thing I'm at right now. You know, even if yeah, I don't same. like the Yankees and, and it wouldn't be great if they won, but like, 
you know, in our, our mutual Yankee friend, Eddie Murphy was like, if the Astros knock out the Yankees, I'll hate them more than the Red Sox now officially. So that's where he's at. <laughs> wow. With that's uh, that's saying something. I don't know about that, but <laughs> Hey, I, I respect him for that view. Cause I mean, I obviously don't have any love for the Astros. If the either. Astros, if the Astros were to beat the Dodgers in the world series, I think they might be your number one, most hated team, even over the, Giants. Oh, yeah. like you'd, you'd be, you'd be close yeah, at that point. Um, all right. No, no contest. All right, Matt Wittenberg, let's let's turn our attention to college football. Uh, last week was a, a very fun week on the slate. Had some upsets, had some things uh, moving up and down. I think the one that stands out to me more than any was Oklahoma going down at Kansas State. That game kind of went under the radar, but the Big 12 has always been good for cannibalizing itself. K-State was always good for the upsets, although with Bill Snyder it was more on the boring side. That was mm-hmm. a fun offensive performance by the Wildcats, and I watched that. I watched a lot of that game. I didn't think Oklahoma played particularly bad. That might be the most startling thing was that it wasn't like they laid an egg. Kansas State just made play after play on offense when they needed to. No, talk about a game of a lifetime for uh, Adrian Martinez out there. And after all the tough years he had over at uh, Nebraska, so that was neat to see for him. And I mean, not just throwing it, but he was running all over. I think he ran for what four touchdowns in that game. So. Yeah, really cool to see. It's nice to see like sort of the new or newer teams um, get some run in the Big Twelve because we know how dominant Oklahoma, to a lesser degree Baylor, Oklahoma State recently have been out there. So neat to see. Really good fan base, and then they pulled the upset in Norman. I feel mm-hmm. like the last two times that they've been out there, two of the last three times they've been out there. So that's a mini storyline there. But yeah, I don't know. It's a uh, New head coach in Oklahoma, new quarterback, so it's uh, might be a, yeah. a tougher season than we thought it would be going in. So Texas lost to Texas Tech, another loss for them, and I just bring this up because going into today right now, the Big 12 conference odds, Baylor and Oklahoma are still tied at plus 325. And that sounds crazy because Oklahoma just lost the conference game, but mm-hmm. I think what's not crazy is you expect this conference winner to have at least one, if not two losses because these teams are so closely matched, I do think that this is going to be a conference that beats up and there's a lot of just teams beating each other and then and then losing the next game. So I think we're going to be looking at a lot of close and a lot of upsets in this conference. Do you think that the Big 12 gets shut out of the playoffs? I mean, I didn't want to say it, but it's, it's, it's shaping up that way, especially if Georgia and Alabama run the table, go to the conference mm-hmm. championship game undefeated, then there's absolutely no chance the Big 12 gets in. Um, yeah. We'll see. That, that's going to be something to monitor as well as, uh, you know, uh, another game that we, we had to talk about in uh, the SEC is that Tennessee hung on against Florida. They were really the better yeah. team for most of that game, but in the fourth quarter, they kind of just put it on cruise control, and we've seen that's been the death of some teams. But a big win for the for the Vols. Want to give credit to them. I think the Gators are kind of – they've kind of shown who they are, and that's a team that's got potential but isn't quite there yet, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, Billy Napier's first year. He's got a lot of pieces. He just hasn't figured out a way to make them all click together. But the Vols look good on offense. I think that's the they were the strongest unit in the game was that Tennessee offense. And we'll see if their defense can hold up to contend at the top of this conference. But as far as uh, offensive performances go, Hooker and, and the boys were great for the Vols. Yeah, Josh Heupel proving that he really is that offensive mastermind. And yeah, Hendon Hooker making those insane throws downfield. But... <clears throat> Yeah, I'm not sure how much we can learn from this game. It's a mm-hmm. big emotional win for them. It's a rivalry game. It's a team that they haven't really beat, had much success against in 
what, like the last 15 years, something like that. So they needed to get that, uh, like proverbial gator off their back, but yeah. going into the next, they have a bye this week, but then they go through to LSU. That'll be telling uh, against the team, an LSU team. That's, I don't think that good. So they should, if they don't win that game, then that might be a, an indication for how, by this team stealing, and then of course they have the big one with uh, Alabama the week after that. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, even the most optimistic Tennessee fan probably doesn't expect them to win that. So, yeah, and Kentucky is still a top ten team at the moment. They play Georgia down the line. So, yeah, yeah, this this team definitely has New Year's six potential. But we're going to find out a lot about them <laughs> the next few weeks. I know we, we've made this mistake, not just with Tennessee, but with other teams where we can't pencil them in yet. You know, the season's so long. I know it's been going by fast, but we're into October now and there's a lot of big games. Uh, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe the ending in the uh, A&M Arkansas game. I mean, that was just a brutal <laughs> way to goal. lose that. Yeah. Off the very top of the upright. A&M is, A&M is winning ugly and now I'm starting to warm up to them. I'm not, I'm not all the way there yet. You know, it's not pretty offensively. It's not great. I don't know what the ceiling of this team is, but I will give credit that they fight that when they're down, when they get punched in the mouth, they've been able to bounce back in these last two weeks. Mm -hmm. So I think that's looked good. And uh, I I do want your your opinion on something else. I mean, the USC Trojans are, you know, into the top six now. Uh, That was not a pretty game. That was a, a, an ugly performance by Caleb Williams to say the least. They showed tremendous fight. I think it showed me a lot about what this team is this year. I know they're building something, but I just and I'm I'm hesitant to put them in that top echelon of teams just yet. But I think that they're definitely on their way. Yeah, Corvallis is a tough place to play. I know that that stadium is like undergoing renovations right now. It's not at what the full capacity would be, but you don't take a win there for granted. I can yeah. speak from experience seeing my team lose there uh, repeatedly. So they did win. Other than. Um, Last week, they've been pretty much on cruise control the first three weeks of the season. So yeah. nice to see them get a little bit battle tested. Um, they're not going to get tested much this week, unfortunately, from a <laughs> lackluster Arizona State team. So yeah. we'll have to wait and see when they take on. Um, I think they have Washington State after yeah. uh, next week. So that'll be a little more telling. And then the big one against at Utah is on October 15th, which could very well decide the uh, the conference championship. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think they might be a little bit ahead of schedule, but I still have questions about their defense moving right. forward this year. We've talked about this. I mean, right now they're basically Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma team. If they get the interior yeah. line guys and the defensive players, that could change, and the ceiling will raise above that. But if they were to make this run to the playoff, I don't think it ends well. I, I think right now there's, and I'll ask you this: obviously Ohio State thumping Wisconsin, the best game C.J. Stroud's played by far this year. Uh, with the offense completely clicking on four straight touchdown drives, but it looks like I know it looks like Georgia, Bama, and Ohio State are kind of that top tier. I would draw the line there. Michigan stumbled against Maryland; they were able to survive. Clemson, you know, won a shootout against Wake. You have teams like SC, Kentucky, Vols, Oklahoma State. So, do you agree it's kind of that top three right now? Obviously, that can change, but they kind of seem a cut above. Yes, I think it's very clear that those are the three best teams in the country and then I mean I feel like the order on between those three can change any given week but and then they have the pedigree from all of their success in recent seasons so there's not too much reason to doubt like that they're going to be there at the end as far as that fourth spot though it's completely Mm -hmm. up for grabs and can change week to week so I think yeah we still need to see some stuff from Michigan they haven't had much of a test on their schedule yet 
Oklahoma State, he still needs to play. They got the big one against Baylor this yeah. week, so that'll be really telling as far as their prospects mm-hmm. for the rest of the season. But I think that those three can really basically be penciled into the playoff at this point. And then Clemson, another team with a huge test this week against NC State. Yeah, that's huge. And and I would say from the positives for Clemson, DJ actually played a good game. I mean, I know defensively mm-hmm. it was just a disaster, but at least you can take positive from that. The quarterback stepped up. NC State can throw their hat in the race. OK State, the competition steps up. And even Penn State on the outside, you know, they're going to have a chance to play their way into this discussion. So it's good. It's a good spot to be in. Uh, Matt Wittenberg here on the Money Mitch Effect. Before we go into the games and, and just an exciting slate of college football on deck, what's your current thoughts right now with Arizona State? I know the, the firing happened with Herm Edwards. It had to happen. It did. A blessing in disguise after that Eastern yeah. Michigan loss. But where are we at right now in the long-term outlook of kind of what you – would like to see going forward for this program? Yeah, it had to happen. Obviously, with it happening so early in the season, you just wonder why they didn't pull the Band-Aid off after last season. Like, what was the uh, the case for keeping them around if you were going to pull the trigger this early on? Uh, it needed to happen, that's for sure. The roster's completely void of the top talent that you brought in with so many guys transferred out. Good guys to see. LSU starting quarterback, Jaden Daniels, uh, two great receivers, Ricky Pearsall at Florida now. Johnny Wilson at FSU had the game of his life uh, against Louisville, what, two weeks ago, a week ago. Uh, it's not sustainable, that's for sure, and something would change. It's just sad that you wait for the season to roll around all through the summer and the winter, and you wait for it to get here, and then three weeks in, you're already like, why can't next season be here? So that's the worst part, to be honest. But um, hopeful for the future. I'm really hoping that they go with a younger, offensive-minded coach mm-hmm. and some, someone to reinvigorate the fan base and really ramp up recruiting again, which has been really lacking with the uh, cloud of the NCAA investigation. So, yeah, yeah, just not a lot to be happy about right now other than that they actually did move on from uh, Herm Edwards. But... This, the rest of the way this season is going to be rough. I know that much. I think I think the coaching search is fascinating. I, I get the young offensive appeal. Um, there is there is something to be said about the other side. Maybe the vet, maybe the veteran that could right the ship and bring stability there too. Um, the move happening when it did. Not, I mean, bringing him in, I understand. It's like, let's see what we have. And then when we don't have anything good, just getting rid of him immediately. So it's going to be rocky this year and maybe next. But um yeah, I guess it's just kind of onward and upward, and at least it's a new era. So that's good to see. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to give Do you want to give two quick shout outs before we move on to pick, looking at and picking some games? Uh, I think the Kansas Jayhawks should be ranked. I don't know why they're not. Uh, yeah, Lance Leipold has done a great job. Um, you know, with and he's going to be sought after. I don't know if it's Arizona State, but I know Nebraska is going to be interested in him and trying to pluck him mm-hmm. away. And I don't know that he leaves right away. But what Kansas has done is great. And how about? You know, two Big Ten teams trending in different directions. Minnesota destroying Michigan State on last Saturday. And P.J. Fleck finally having his team and kind of a new new go-for era there. And uh, for Mel Tucker, Michigan State, I, I got a text from Matt Gothard immediately after that game that just said, ready for basketball season. So that's where the Spartan fans are at. <laughs> Man, yeah. How's that uh, contract extension looking now? That's insane that they had to lock him down after well and don't basically yeah i just wins over michigan i mean uh, and they were kind of fluky wins like i don't want to take away from it but it wasn't when you win close games regardless of what happens not that it's like a lucky thing but those are games that could have gone either way 
you know, and mm-hmm. one, they were huge underdogs, went into the big house, won last year's game, Kenneth Walker with just one of the best running back performances we've seen. They were, they were great wins, but I don't know that you just hit your wagon when, you know, it's one thing to just kind of dismantle the competition and sustain something. I, I agree that that was a rash uh, contract extension. This could be a very brutal year for them. Uh, but for the Gophers, I mean, they're, they're up and coming and, and in the big 10 West, I mean, they've got to be in the driver's seat right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They uh, definitely look like they're going to win that division. Um, obviously, the big one at the end of the year with uh, Wisconsin for Paul Bunyan's axe will probably be uh, the decider, but Wisconsin's offense hasn't shown too much this year to get excited about. So, yeah, I'm thinking that uh, the bat or not the Badgers, sorry, the Gophers will be in, uh, in, in Indy taking on probably Ohio State unless something goes catastrophically wrong. You got Iowa and you got Wisconsin that maybe could be frisky in there, but yeah, it looks like the Gophers. Um, all right, this this week of slates games, this week of games is one of the best I've seen top to bottom. I'm excited to look at it and potentially wager on it, and, and I, it starts for me with Friday night. There is a uh, game out here west in the Rose Bowl, UCLA hosting the Washington Huskies. UCLA three-point underdogs at home against Washington. Wit, I kind of like Washington a lot in this game. I think that they come into uh, yeah. the ball, and, and I think Penix, the way he's playing, and I just, UCLA barely won a couple of these early games that they do have wins over, and uh, I would start the week off with a Huskies wager for sure. I 100% agree on that, and UCLA doesn't have any home field advantage to speak of. Um, it'll probably be more, I would guess there would probably be more Washington fans in attendance than I don't know. You might be pretty even with the students finally back uh, on campus for UCLA, but <clears throat> it's definitely not the most intimidating uh, environment to go into. So uh, UCLA was lucky to get by South Alabama a couple weeks ago. They haven't beaten anyone of uh, significance. So I think that their 4-0 is one of the bigger mirages in college football right now. And Washington looks good. They uh, dismantled Michigan State at home and then just blew the doors off Stanford last week. So I Mm -hmm. I think that uh, Penix is really proving himself so far. I love that one. Uh, One of the games I'm curious as we switch to Saturday, Iowa hosts Michigan at home as 11-point underdogs. And I don't expect Iowa to win, but I just I bring this up. This is right in the Kirk Ferentz zone of probably covering spreads but not winning. And Michigan just a frustrated early sleepy morning kickoff at Iowa. I think, especially Michigan last week, showed some vulnerabilities in their defense. I don't know how this game plays out, but I would say that Iowa has a decent chance to cover. Yeah, I agree. Kinnick is, a lot of teams generally struggle and play slow in Kinnick, so I could definitely see that. And then, like you said, a little bit of a slow one from Michigan last week against Maryland, so I'm not necessarily expecting their best offense. I fully expect them to win just because Iowa's offense is, I, I don't even know if there's really words to describe it, but Brian Ferentz would not have a job if his last name wasn't Ferentz. I can tell you that much. <laughs> That's so true. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I fully expect Michigan to uh, to control the game well. Maybe not by 11, like you said, but I think that they uh, get out unscathed pretty pretty well. Boy, the cameos for pranks for Ferentz have just been phenomenal. Just getting all the famous coaches <laughs> that wish him to great. keep his head up. <laughs> Uh, another one that's good in the SEC, I uh, should point out, Ole Miss taking on Kentucky at home. Big game out there, noon kickoff Eastern time. Uh, Ole Miss, six-and-a-half-point favorites over unde- undefeated Kentucky. 
That's a big yeah, number, a big line. I, I like Ole Miss to win this game, though. I would definitely add them to like a teaser or money line situation. I think Kentucky's kind of shown some vulnerability, and this is going to be an amped up, amped up area to play. But uh, six and a half points is a big number. Uh, I think Kentucky uh, gets it done. Wow, uh, going on the road and winning this yeah. is good. They they won in the swamp a couple weeks ago, so it's not not their first uh, road test. Ole Miss's offense hasn't been. I mean, they blew the doors off Georgia Tech, but I mean that's coach coachless at the moment. And Georgia AD Tech list. now, so and then uh, yeah, and AD list, and then Tulsa gave them all they could handle last week at home. So I, I like uh, the Wildcats wow. in this one. Yeah, I, man, if they go into Ole Miss and win, they could be a top five team uh, next uh, week when we look at this stuff. But it's a big game, one to monitor. Definitely don't. don't Will Levis. I know he he has got a lot of swagger. Uh, do you like K-State to keep it going? Seven and a half point favorites at home against Texas Tech. Both teams coming off upset wins. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, being back home, Bill, Bill Snyder Family Stadium uh, will be pretty amped up. So uh, Tech really lucky to escape with a win. They did their best to give it away at the end there to let Texas stick, yeah. kick that tying field goal right at the end of regulation. So yeah, I like uh, K-State, Deuce Vaughn, and Adrian Martinez to keep it rolling. I absolutely love uh, another Big 12 game here, and it's the bounce back for the Sooners at TCU. Uh, Six-and-a-half-point yeah, totally favorites. Agree. I was down in Dallas during that TCU-SMU game, which was a great atmosphere, great vibe, and TCU won, which I kind of had on my card. But TCU's defense has issues. Like that, The whole the whole final like quarter of that game was them just trading points, and I don't think you want to play a track meet with the Sooners, even if it's not Lincoln Riley and it's Brennables now. I just don't think mm-hmm. that kind of pace bodes well. And you can get the Sooners under a touchdown. I think you have to take it. I uh, 100% agree. I think Dylan Gabriel bounces back with a big one. What about the Gophers to keep it going? Purdue, 12 points. Yeah, if it was in West Lafayette, I'd, be, uh, I'd have a little more questions about it. But I think that they roll at home. I just don't know if I want to live in a world where I'm, I'm trusting the Gophers to cover double-digit spreads. It just yeah, seems well, I bizarre. Mean, when they're when their quarterback's been there for six seasons, <laughs> Bo yeah. Ibrahim's pretty damn good too. So who's, who's they, they the got guy, a good combo. Who's the guy right now? Him, Martinez? Is it Clifford and Penn State? Who's the Aaron Kraft right now? Yeah, that's that's good good competition. I'd say probably Tanner Morgan. I don't just because he like looks older too. So maybe him. But yeah, Clifford's definitely got a good claim also. Well, yeah, it's it's insane. The six year thing too is making it even worse. Um, I, I think as far as you know, Pac twelve's got a lot of my favorite games this week. And I look at Oregon State, Utah. I think Oregon State might be the team that has a bad record, but kind of like Nebraska last year that just covers every spread. Ten and a half points at Utah. I feel like Oregon State. The maybe it's just that they have size, but not a lot of the high level skill position guys. Where I feel like if you give them enough points, they can keep any game close. Yeah, I think I don't think they win, but I think that they can definitely cover the double digits there. They showed they should have, frankly, won last week, but yeah, just uh, too many turnovers. You can't have that on the road at Utah if you want to keep it close either. But I think Jonathan Smith's great. Frankly, I'd love him to be ASU's coach. I know he's on the uh, on the short list, but yeah. who knows if he'd leave uh, Oregon State because that that's his alma mater too, and he's done a great job building it up. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think that they do keep it within the 10 and a half. Anytime you put, get Alabama on the road in the SEC, you think, well, you know, maybe it could be a little closer than expected against some of the top teams. But Arkansas, 
lost a brutal game, which we mentioned. 17 and a half point home dogs against Alabama. Big number, but it is the tide. Do you think this game's closer than what we're we're looking at, or does Alabama just get back on track and just hold comfortably? No, I think that's it. I think that the tide continued to roll. Excuse the uh, <laughs> obvious pun, but Arkansas looked so bad after the first quarter against a and and I don't know. I just think that Alabama, after the Texas game, has really refocused offensively. Not that they've had much of a test, but, I mean, you throw down 55 on Vandy, 63 at, against UL Monroe, so... I think that Arkansas might have been a little bit of an aberration to start the season and mm. that this might be closer to the team that they actually are. Yeah. The Cincinnati game wasn't perfect either, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, that was a brutal loss, but, yeah, I don't – it's a big number. I would maybe go first half. Bamich just usually jumps on them early, but, yeah, I think uh, the Tide just continued their winning ways. Well, my favorite game, my favorite number of the weekend, Witt, and uh, we haven't said it yet, but this is one. This is when you dive deep. I absolutely love – Wake Forest getting seven points against Florida State. I, I think this doesn't really make any sense to me. I don't understand mm-hmm. how Florida State's a touchdown favorite. They probably should have lost to LSU. They've been in every close game. I, I don't think that they're, they've are they earned the right to be that much of a favorite. Wake Forest can score points. So love the Demon Deacons. Favorite bet of the week at plus seven, plus six and a half. I think that's that's the one I'm circling. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, the... Uh couple of close calls for Florida State. They had the LSU one and then the Louisville one where the uh, the backup quarterback had to come in. So Wake's going to be mad after blowing that one. Or not necessarily, but losing that one in overtime to Clemson last week. And I think that they are going to be really tough in this one. That I wouldn't surprise me if they won it outright. Yeah. Sam, Sam Hartman's really talented. So I don't know if Florida State's all the way back either. More with Matt Wittenberg here on the Money Mitch. In fact, a couple more games to talk about. The uh, Big 12 has two, you know, right in that afternoon kickoff slate to, to really discuss. I don't have a great read on this one. Want to hear your thoughts. Baylor, as a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Oklahoma State, this is a very close coin flip game. Every time these two teams play, something weird happens. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm just throwing my hands up and hoping for a good one. Yeah, that Big 12 championship game still really sticks out. I, I couldn't is, believe it. This is, a, this is a hard one to read for sure. Uh, Baylor had a nice win against Iowa State last week. Um, it was big, yeah. Oklahoma State hasn't played anyone, like, and, and I'm including, obviously, my school ASU <laughs> in that. It, as yeah. They haven't played anyone. Yeah. Uh, and we put some, not very many, but put a couple of touchdowns on the board against them, so... I don't know, man. I, I think Baylor wins because it's at home, but it's really a coin flip. So, And then this will go a long way to deciding who ends up uh, playing in the Big 12 championship game, too. Yeah, that part about how Oklahoma State isn't really battle-tested yet and Baylor's lost double overtime to BYU, beat Iowa mm-hmm. State. They're a little more rugged right now. Um, last year. Home. Yeah, last year they played, and it was Oklahoma State by 10, and it was Baylor by 5 in that championship game. So, coin flip game for sure. Baylor at home, maybe you lean them, but Oklahoma State winning and maybe winning you know, by by a comfortable margin wouldn't surprise me. So, uh, yeah, tough one there. Kansas at home is a three-point underdog against Iowa State. Now, this is another one where Kansas for sure will be ranked if they win, and if they win this game. I mean, you've, you've talked about one of the best Kansas seasons since, you know, 
big man uh, man Gino was their coach there. And Todd Reesing was <laughs> slinging it at quarterback. Iowa State, though, has an opportunity. I know they lost the Baylor game, but they still beat Iowa this year for the first time under Matt Campbell. If they beat Kansas and, you know, one loss, as I said at the top, is not going to keep them out of the conference race. So this is a golden opportunity for them. I would go Iowa State here. I do think all good things come to an end. I think this is where the Kansas streak stops. Yeah, this is a hard one to get a read on, too. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine how excited that community out out in Lawrence is right now to have an undefeated football team and Mm -hmm. such an exciting quarterback in Daniels, too. So I think the Jayhawks will be amped up. I I think they hold serve at home, but it's going to be close. We had a couple undefeated teams not ranked. I know Syracuse is undefeated, too, but uh, we'll see if the competition keeps up for them. Uh, everyone's talked about how good Rutgers has looked. They're 40-point underdogs against Ohio State. <laughs> so probably not yeah, going to cover hammer the that Buckeyes. One. Probably not going to cover that one anyway, as I say this in my uh, in my Louis Vuitton cleats here myself. So uh, <laughs> Checking your Apple Watch. <laughs> checking my Apple Watch the whole time. Uh, A&M, the, the, the band goes on. They're four-point underdogs on the road at Mississippi State. I don't – this is – I'm not really – I shouldn't say – high on either team here. I guess I would go points in A&M in this one. I don't know that Mississippi State's earned the right to be favorites by more than a field goal in this one. So I guess I'd lean A&M, but I wouldn't feel good about it. Yeah, they had such an uh, they had every chance to win that game at LSU and had such an ugly mm. second half. So that's something kind of sticking out in my mind. I like Will Rogers a lot, but I don't know. Leech teams tend to do some weird things in games you don't expect. But I, I think I would play it safe and take A&M with the points. It's also funny looking at Auburn as plus nine at home against LSU, an LSU team that really hasn't, you know, they won the Mississippi State game. But Brian Harson was trying to get fired, I think, last game <laughs> against Missouri, and I think this might be the death blow. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. I think LSU does win, uh, despite the fact that I don't want them to, with because uh, Brian Kelly is obviously unlikable, and Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback, transferred from asu so um yeah but just it's it's not good on the planes right now and i think that uh harson has his eye on other jobs at the moment i would go texas on the bounce back against west virginia nine and a half i would actually go though we talked about the other big matchup i would go nc state points i don't know if they win this game but six and a half i like that i think clemson is not at the point where they were. They, they could definitely be in the playoff. I think their odds on favorites to reach the playoff, but they're not, they don't have the interior D lineman that they had. They're not as crisp as they were. Still very good, but I don't think they, they just smash teams like they used to. Yeah, they're, like you said earlier, defensively against Wake last week, they left a lot to be desired. And I know it's at, at Death Valley, but I think that this game just comes down to a field goal at the end. So I'd feel safe taking NC State plus six and a half. And if you're looking for a first half line, I would look at Georgia, Missouri. I think this is the Kirby Smart's been pissed off all week about their their lackluster performance against Kent State. And this happens with good teams. We see it with Saban all the time. Ohio State has these games where they just kind of sleepwalk through and then they just need to recalibrate. Uh, and then lastly, where are we at with uh, USC? Are they just going to smash Arizona State by 27 points at cover? Uh, yes. I, I, that would be my best bet of the week. Uh, uh, I the offense has not shown any life since week one against NAU. So I, I don't think that that, I just don't think that there's going to be more than probably 
14 points scored by ASU, and USC can score a lot, and it's at home. So I uh, I will not be making the trip to the Coliseum to watch this in person. Let me just say that. <laughs> Change his mind. Uh, I, I totally get it. Well, with this has been fun talking college football. I, I just want to leave with this. We're going to have more top 10 losses this week, at least one in the Clemson uh, in the Clemson game against NC State. But you you have Ole Miss losing, so they're not top 10. Kentucky could lose, uh, which would be another one. And then Oklahoma State, Baylor. So two to three top 10 losses, and, and we're just, just getting warm here in early October coming up. Yeah, that's uh, really starting to ramp up once we get into these conference matchups. So definitely excited. Wish, obviously wish my team was would be more a part of the, the larger narrative discussion for the rest of the season. But still, I mean... As a college football junkie, these are the games that you love to see, and yeah. then you really start to see the roadmap of uh, where this season can go. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you still have the uh, you know you still have the fandom of rooting against Arizona, so you still have that. Yeah, every... also true that although they have Colorado this week, he might be worse than ASU. So, uh, <laughs> so they'll they'll probably be okay this week. But it was oh, nice man. to see them lose to Cal last week. Yeah, wow, they just celebrated that ND North Dakota State win too much. Uh, yep. <laughs> Matt Wittenberg, thanks for coming on, talking baseball, college football. Always appreciate you having on. We'll do it again soon, but thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, you got it, man. Huge thanks to Matt Wittenberg, as always. Good to celebrate our baseball teams, and uh, we continue on in this college football slate. Huge game, huge board of games. It's an exciting day. Can't wait. Uh, starting at 9 a.m. Pacific time all the way through the night. It's going to be a fun Saturday of football. Now we go to the NFL with Adam Musto, NFL expert. He's worked at the NFL Network for a number of years. We break down the upsets in week three. Who's the best team? Who are the MVP candidates right now? We talk about that. That Packers-Bucks game was a little defensive struggle. What's next for some of these quarterbacks, some of these teams? His Bears have uh, won a couple games without completing many passes. My Browns continue to uh, trek on. We talk about the NFL slate of games at week four where there uh, is some interesting matchups and some fascinating point spreads as well. Let's talk NFL football with Adam Musto here now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect to talk another week in the NFL, a shocking week uh, across the boards. First time this year, it's Adam Musto from Chicago calling in Adam. Thanks for joining the show. Uh, you picked a good week because I think everybody is out of their survivor pool and the, the three biggest favorites uh, lost outright. Only one team is winless in the NFL. Uh, a lot of uh, lot of uncertainty, a lot of parity, but Adam, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, of course. It's you know I, I feel like now things are kind of settling in place. You kind of, you know, the, there's so much hype around week one and week two. And obviously I'm sure there's going to be teams with winning records that miss the playoffs and vice versa. But I feel like we're kind of, you know, the season's definitely starting to take shape. Well, there was a lot of surprises. There's a lot of moments in the season that I think there are a lot of moments in week three that were shocking, and we can kind of get into two of them. But let's start with uh, getting to a bunch of them. But let's start with uh, one of the great games and uh, different outcomes that we weren't expecting. Uh, Adam, the Miami Dolphins remain undefeated. Their new coach, Mike McDaniel, they beat the Buffalo Bills in Miami as home underdogs. Uh, they do it 21 to 19. Hold off Buffalo furiously at the end. Uh, they did it with, you know, defense in a lot of ways. A bend but not break defense. I don't know if this game gets played again. I mean, it will get played again in Buffalo. How this outcome would go, but for one game in particular, the Dolphins were right there with the Bills, came out on top, 
and uh, are looking very much like there is a new era in Miami. Long way to go in the season, we know, but this is a, a trend-setting win for a franchise that's clearly on the up-and-up up in Miami. Yeah, and I'll be one of the first to admit, I feel like I still wasn't sold on Miami, so this definitely puts a big stamp on them. I mean, things will still kind of play out. They've got an interesting game Thursday night against the Bengals um, and Joe Burrow, but I, I didn't know what to make of Tua in the offseason. I feel like I totally wasn't sold on, on him as a franchise guy, but yeah, you know, shocking win at the end. I feel like you definitely expected the Bills, even you know their last drive to at least kick a field goal and win it. But, you know, Miami's playing great. Even if you look at the stats of the game, it's still kind of crazy that the Bills who, like, never punt, you know, they still put up yards and stuff, but Miami was able to get it done. Yeah, and the Dolphins survive uh, the now-labeled butt punt there, uh, which is kind of crazy. I mean, for all the jokes, and it was hilarious to watch, if that punt lands in bounds, the Bills score and probably win this game. So it's that that's the difference in a lot of these games. Um, a lot of different ways yeah. to go. I mean, and yeah, a lot of different ways to go, but I did want your thoughts. I mean, Buffalo has won, I think the last like 10 victories or something they have was by double digits. So I guess there's the concern of how is this team going to be in close games where, you know, they faltered late a couple times now, the playoff game with Kansas City and now this one. Also, just looking at the box score, Adam, Allen threw 63 times. So I don't know what the recipe is for success. Obviously, this is a very talented team with Super Bowl aspirations. But that is a lot of passes, even for an alder great like Josh Allen. Yeah, and they still, well, you know, I was going to say, I'm looking at it now, too. They, they did run the ball 23 times, which seems somewhat balanced. But eight of those was were by Josh Allen, and he had over, you know, a little over a third of the rushing yards. So, um, I, you know, and, and I don't know if you necessarily want, you know, the MVP candidate to be your leading rusher as well. Uh, Miami only ran the ball 17 times. So, you know, it's almost going back to that one bizarre Texans uh, Steelers game from like 2002 or so where, you know, some of it just doesn't really make sense. Obviously very exciting at the end. And that was a tough call with the, the punt even because I feel like I wouldn't really want to only have a two-point lead against Buffalo knowing that, you know, they only have to get to the 40-yard line or so or to, to win the game, but they were able to pull it out at the end. So, yeah, um, yeah definitely a weird weird way the, the way that it all played out. We know that uh, you know the Bills are going to be a factor, and the way the division's gone with the Patriots now down Mac Jones and struggling, and the Jets kind of on the up and up, but not there yet. That this appears to be a two-horse race. Uh, you mentioned the running game and the balance thing. It's just funny what what we were talking before we started. How running backs are in the NFL. Uh, do you know the top three rushers right now in the NFL? Who they are? Um, I don't. I feel like maybe Nick Chubb is around. Chubb's there. one, yeah, that's good. And Barkley <laughs> last night was number two. After last night's game is number two, but I just brought it up because number three was number two before Barkley passed him. But Corderell Patterson. <laughs> so there you okay, go. Okay, yeah, that's weird. I, I did see he was a nominee for I think was it one of the rushing players of the yeah. week, which is interesting. Who would have called that years ago when he was bouncing from team to team and was the X factor that he would be you know, the modern day running back, he'd be about what you want in that position. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, I guess you kind of see the, the 49ers do that with, with Debo Samuel. Um, you know, in a way, it's kind of like these guys. I, Patterson, I, I know he was the first rounder. I, I forgot exactly how high he was. It reminds me a little bit of Ted Ginn where, you know, on paper he's still kind of a bust from where he was drafted, but he ended up eking out a very long career as a return man and just kind of finding different niches in the offense and different roles. I'm sure for coaches, it's kind of you kind of take the players that you have, based you know, and also depending on you know your division and kind of what it takes to win. 
game in and game out, but there's probably different ways to, you know, use the talent around you. I feel like you have so many differently, you know, so many different types of athletic bodies in the NFL. And even, you know, you see it. Yeah, you do kind of see it now. Even, you know, so many slot receivers, they catch 100 balls here. A lot of them are, you know, seven, seven, eight, nine yards. They're very productive that way. Well, we know that teams are going to lose in the NFL. So the the Bills losing this game, again, props to uh, to Miami. Oh, I guess last note I forgot to mention. Do you think this is going to be a big issue with the the uh, the concussion? Like, because there's the investigation going into it now. He's saying back injury. I'll be honest. Like, I didn't watch it in real time. Red Zone was was occupying a lot of what I was what I was probably was following this game. But he went back in the locker room, got cleared, then came back out. Do, do you think this is going to be kind of scandalous going forward? Well, the one that I always go back to is the Colt McCoy play. What was that? I think a Thursday night against the Steelers uh, yeah. quite a few years ago now. That one obviously was old. I, you know, and I, the reality is it, it's also, you know, like you said, I, I wasn't watching the game live. or I was uh, working on the Bears-Texans game, so I kind of saw the replay of it. I think it makes a difference if it's a primetime Thursday night, Monday night game and all eyes mm-hmm. are on it. Or obviously a playoff game or say it happens at the end of a playoff game where it's a two-minute drill and, you know, you need the player in, win or lose. That's where you know it can get definitely a little a little uh, messier. So I think there's definitely signs that you know when he was wobbling, when he fell, um, you can kind of see. And, and there's so many of these plays that happen, happen. You know, even not from the quarterback position, just contact head to head. You know, wide receiver run, defensive back. You know, I think there's someone supposed to be at the stadium that's supposed to watch for that. So um, yeah, well. Look, I just I feel like there was a process in place, so it wasn't like the Dolphins were just throwing him back onto the field. Now, was the process or rounded up? That's what we're going to have to look at. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you can get disoriented by not having a concussion. I totally get that, but I don't know. I mean, I don't want it to take away. Tua is looking good. He's looking like he's maybe not the elite of the elite, but a winner and uh, just finds a way to get it done. Uh, point being, though, that teams are going to lose in the NFL, and uh, we saw that with the Chiefs losing to the Colts, which a lot of people didn't see coming. This, to me, was just your classic early season. I guess it could happen any time, Adam, but just a random weird game that if you played this ten times, the Chiefs would win nine. But on this one day, they got the Colts made it happen with the Chiefs being a little bit off, missing kicks, fumbling, penalties, and uh, Matt Ryan finally makes uh, a throw that they paid him for and they brought him in for, but... I thought this was just your classic early season weird game. Yeah, it, you know, I think that's a great point that yeah, they play you know ten or a hundred times that all that stuff kind of plays out. But it's any given Sunday, and I feel like it is almost also on brand for the Colts, whether it's them just playing to the level of certain opponents, or you know, you look they they tied Houston. I, I think you know Jacksonville's playing better now, um, but I don't think people were expecting a twenty-four to zero shutout loss and then obviously we know what happened at the end of last year obviously a little bit of a different team but when the Jaguars were under the Urban Meyer regime well that uh, sorry, you know, no out there. no it's but, true yeah. it's so true and, and I'm glad you brought the Jags because maybe that Colts loss doesn't look as bad to them I mean always bad to get shut out and they just haven't won in Jacksonville but the Jaguars put it on the Chargers and and from the Jacksonville perspective I mean Trevor Lawrence is looking like the reason why he was taken number one overall they play a fun brand of football at Doug Peterson. They've got a fun athletic roster. Um, I'm, I mean, the way the South is going, the much maligned South, I know the Titans won, the Colts won this week, but Jacksonville might be a legit team. Like maybe, you know, maybe there is something to what Doug Peterson and, and obviously Trevor Lawrence is cooking up down there. 
Yeah, and I was I was just thinking about this last week. Like, I can't really remember a time where a Super Bowl winning head coach and Doug Peterson was canned or fired so quickly, especially I feel like in Philly, you know, it had been so long or, you know, their first Super Bowl. So I, in my head, kind of thought, okay, that's kind of your lifetime contract if you want it, um, even though I guess the other reality of the NFL is everyone's basically on a, on a one-year contract. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think there's definitely a reason that Trevor Lawrence was so hyped out of college. Um, and it's so hard to kind of figure out if, you know, will his game translate? There's so many different things about, uh, you know, what receivers do you have? A lot of it can be revisionist history, even looking at, you know, and I'm all in on Joe Burrow, but he had great wide receivers at LSU. Um, and then there's obviously guys like Josh Allen that go to small schools and, and Carson Wentz that, it's hard to kind of kind of judge that. And then coming to the NFL, it, it makes such a big difference of what coach you have. Obviously, the high draft picks are not going to be going to very good teams most of the time. So, And I think we kind of see that even not to go back to the Bears. But, you know, it's hard to develop quarterbacks if you, know, you don't have a lot around mm-hmm. you. Well, one thing to note on that Eagles firing a Doug Peterson, it was that crazy weird game against Washington where the commanders were fighting, or the football team at the time was fighting for a playoff spot. And there was the whole tanking thing that I guess Peterson didn't want to do. It got really messy. And, and I bring that up to say it wasn't necessarily a coaching X's and O's thing that got him the door shown. But obviously Peterson can coach. Uh, it's fun. I, I think we'll have to see how long it's going to take, but they look to be building something there. The Chargers, Adam, I mean, they are just snake bitten again. Like it's, you know, it's either they're, it's either things that happen at the end of the games when you think, man, they could have won this one and they just found a way to blew it or, or something weird happens. Or in the case of injuries, they just can't get their best players on the field. I mean, Guyton out for the year, uh, Slater, I think, torn uh, bicep or something along those lines out for weeks, and then Bosa's going to miss some time with the groin. I mean, it's just, and then, of course, Herbert with the rib and, and that whole drama, but the Chargers just can't stay healthy. Yeah, and I thought I think I saw something about some analysis. Just yeah, their offensive line went from one of the best to one of the worst just because of the injuries. And uh, yeah, so almost like the Colts in a way, where they they just have these weird losses. Um, you know, that's one where if you're just kind of following the other games, you look up and it's like, wow, how did they lose 38 to 10? And that's probably you know one of the reasons why they missed the playoffs last year. Um, it's just that consistency. You know, it's a weird thing going back to even when they were in San Diego, they've had really good teams. Um, you know, whether it's they were barely out of the playoffs. I know there there was a time in the 2000s where the AFC West was pretty poor, you know, very mediocre. I think there were some 8-8 eight and eight teams that made the playoffs or 9-7. and seven. They obviously had the great team that won 14-2 and two and didn't win a playoff game. So I don't know how much of that the current team cares about. Justin Herbert can still sling it. I don't know if you carry that baggage with you, but it, it does seem kind of bizarre when it seems to happen continuously. More with Adam Musto talking NFL football here on the Money Mitch Effect. Um, I should point out your Bears are two and one, although you wouldn't know it based on uh, some of the vibes about the offense. But what's uh, I guess I guess what's more shocking to you, Adam, that you're twenty that you're two and one as a Chicago Bears fan, or that there's been twenty three completed passes in three weeks? <laughs> well, I guess I shouldn't be too shocked with when it comes to futility, when it comes to the passing game, I mean, the bears are the only franchise in, in the league. They've never had a 4,000 yard passer and a 30 touchdown passer. So it is kind of on brand. Obviously it's a little different now we've had with fields and Trubisky who are two highly drafted quarterbacks. You definitely want them to be, those are supposed to be your franchise guys. It's not supposed to be the, the Jim Millers or the Kyle Orton just kind of being the game manager role and winning with defense. And I just feel like in today's NFL, I don't know if you could win a Super Bowl or compete consistent, 
consistently with like a 2000 Ravens where, you know, you're going to win every game 13 to 10. Um, I mean, so much stuff is going to play out. I, I feel like when, you know, they have to play better teams. Sometimes if you're bad one year, you're going to have an easy schedule the next year, or, you know, it can totally flip flop. They're still miles behind the Packers, which we saw a, a week ago, but you have to win those games. You know, there's going to be games that you, you know, like talking about the Chargers and the Colts, you drop games. So you kind of stack them. We'll see what yeah. conference ends up being, you know, what, how the records play out with the wild cards and stuff. I guess you'll take it, but it doesn't yeah. really feel like, it, it just it kind of feels like we're getting away with something, and I don't know how sustainable that is. Yeah, I mean, part of it, the schedule is the schedule, and obviously I know it with the Browns, with the schedule being easier, but uh, you would like to see some more confidence in your quarterback, and um, whether it's just a conservative nature play calling that, you, that I agree with you, probably won't get it done in this day and age in the NFL, or the more pessimistic view is that they're seeing fields every day and they see limitations that we don't see, so... Um, but they won this game. Uh, they did it with some defense that's improving and, uh, you know, making the turnover late in that one. Uh, and while we're mentioning our teams, I mean, well, the Browns won against the Steelers last week, but they dodged a bolt with that Miles Garrett car accident because that was a scary situation. Um, but it seems to be that that, that was something that, uh, you know, happened and uh, hopefully it'll be okay, but scary for them to say the least. I just I bring that up because we're looking at the pecking order of our teams and some schedules that are evening out and some are tougher than others the Giants come in off that loss to the Cowboys uh, Adam on Monday Night Football very weird game uh, very bizarre I don't think the officiating was superb I actually think Cooper Rush has looked pretty confident as a backup quarterback and I think the Giants are starting to kind of you know it's good to see Saquon back the Sterling Shepard injury was brutal but they've got themselves in a position with Brian Dable and a young roster that this year will be a referendum on Daniel Jones. Like, this is it. Like, we're going to figure out one way or the other, and I'm leaning towards there'll be a new quarterback in New York next year. Yeah, and I, I think that that's one great thing that does play out in the regular season because, to your point also about developing quarterbacks, I don't usually try to buy it into the, uh, during training camp or during the preseason. The coaches publicly, if they say, oh, we really believe in this guy. Obviously, that's, you know, there's some times where a rookie is, is doomed the starter from week one, and usually there's confidence there. And then other times, I feel like there's times like, whoa, we don't, we might <laughs> might have made a mistake here. So you <laughs> yeah. know, let's kind of have the, the veteran there. Yeah, Daniel Jones is kind of at that point where I feel like there's enough on him. You know, I think we're working on that with Justin Fields to try to get to you know the end of the season. That was even what the Bears did with yeah. Trubisky. Now he's in you know Pittsburgh where he's kind of molded into that. Um, I wouldn't maybe I don't know somewhere in that like Blaine Gabbert role ish mm. more or less where uh, you know you you might end up having a 10, 12 year career maybe only start you know on average mm. a, a few games yeah. uh, over your career. But yeah, yeah, you're you were one of the first people to bring this up too, and you can look at Carolina with Baker Mayfield. There's not really a lot of success rates. There's hardly anyone that's been like benched or kicked to the curb. Not obviously traded or signed with their own money, but with their own free agency. But that have gone on to a second stop and then redeemed themselves. Like it doesn't happen too much. And I know the Panthers won, but Baker completed less than half of his passes, and I just don't see him there as the long-term solution there. So it's not it's not a common thing that when you get that retread at the QB position, it pans out. Yeah, and even being, you know, sometimes they say you need a fresh start or just kind of like, you know, if you get benched, then it can kind of, kind of, you know, reset your frame of reference. The only one I can really honestly think of historically, I think Terry Bradshaw at one point in his career got benched. Um, I, I forgot exactly how I, 
how early or late that was in his career. But yeah, and you see little glimpses of it. Obviously, you know, uh, Geno Smith on Monday night. Um, I feel like a couple of years ago, Jameis, Jameis had, when he just starts slinging it randomly. <laughs> Good yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also interesting too about the opportunities. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is an example where okay, we kind of thought he would kind of fall into that black void of being totally forgotten, and then Trey Lance has his has his injury, and now it's interesting too because. Garoppolo is the guy I would imagine for the entire season. It's not even like Lance has this lingering injury where, oh, maybe he'll be back in three yeah. or four weeks and kind of see how it plays out. So, but And that's all just kind of you know luck of wherever you kind of sign with the offseason or in Jimmy's case not signing, just kind of continue with your current team. That was one of the worst football games I've seen, that Sunday night game. Um, and and well, it just shows you how quick it goes, right? He's the savior Jimmy Garoppolo is in week one. And then in the second week, they're like, can we go to you know Brock Purdy out of Iowa State? I think right. I think uh, Garoppolo and the Niners. I mean, they're another team with a great defense, and you know, if the offense has, if the table is like all set to use another reference, he could come in, you know, and, and cook, and you know, but I don't know yeah. that he's going to carry or uplift anybody else. Um, and I think they're going to need, you know, some people to step up, especially at that wide receiver position. But that was an ugly game. I mean, Denver's another team. We could just throw them into the Bears. I mean, Browns list of you know they're two and one, but what have they really shown at their top level? And Nathaniel Hackett's made some questionable decisions, but I look at Russ, you know, and I look at he's going to have to play better. You would think, right, when these when these division games and when these conference games, these big showdowns happen, because that offense has been getting booed at home a lot, and I know they're two and one, but they've got to play better and be way more consistent. Yeah, they scored sixteen, sixteen, and eleven points this year, mm. um, and obviously you don't pay Russell Wilson what you do for him. And I've always been a big fan of him. I think he can make a lot of stuff happen. I, I feel like I didn't follow him as closely last year. It was kind of interesting, you know, why obviously Seattle figured that it wasn't worth it worth it to keep him around, um, even though he's you know been at his MVP level for a while for the most part. So. Yeah, it's weird. I, I don't know if there's any disconnect with him and the coaching staff. You would imagine that, you know, when it's a big name and a, a new coach, kind of all those things can mesh in place. But, you know, people have their egos and they kind of have their style and stuff, and it's just kind of figuring out what works best. A couple more things with Adam Musto here. We're looking at week three before we get ahead to the week four matchups and some of the interesting news and notes there. Uh, any any instant reaction to that Packers-Bucks game? A uh, lot went down. Not much of it was offense. Uh, I would say from the Green Bay side, it's a typical of week one, just throw it out the window, they'll get their groove. Um, this team is way, way better defensively than they've been in recent years, which I know you don't like to hear, but this is probably going to be a different type of Packers team, I would think, with less stats from Rodgers, less offensive uh, output from these young receivers, but more running and defense, which might ultimately set them up for better postseason success. Yeah, I mean, they always do kind of, find these kind of random running backs. I mean, they've had obviously some consistent guys, but, you know, do well for a few years. I don't know what it is where the Bucks defense does seem to somewhat, I wouldn't say have Aaron Rodgers' number, but at least they're the only team that can seem to get him to throw an interception. Um, obviously, it wasn't good enough for the win. You know, I, I don't know if there's any of that to believe, you know, that Rodgers doesn't play in the preseason. It does seem like a recurring thing that when he wants to turn it on, they, they can turn it on. I am also interested in what he was talking about at the end of the post game, where it looked like he saw something on the jumbotron. I don't know if it was the play that the Bucks ran b- before the penalty on the two point conversion, or maybe they were showing Tom Brady and the offensive coordinator or, or the head coach kind of talking about what player they were going to run. But he does always kind of seem to be, you know, a few steps ahead of people, like in a chess match or something. 
Yeah, he basically described it as maybe, you know, just like a strategy type thing or a tell that he just told the coach and, you know, whatever happened, they, you know, he explained this on Pat McAfee's show today that it was just info passed on, whatever they did with it. I think I think both teams' defenses are good and, you know, both teams had injuries. You know, Tampa was ravaged with the receiver position. The Bucks are still going to be good. The NFC I don't think is as top-heavy as, or maybe as deep, I should say, as the AFC, at least this part of the year. Uh, but it is interesting to see Tom Brady kind of kind of be a little rattled. And I don't want to get into the off-the-field stuff, but he's still kind of finding his groove. And I think, you know, he's been more frustrated than we've seen him. Obviously, when you take a delay a game on a two-point conversion penalty, that'll, that'll do that for you. Yeah, because that was, the, you know, the thing that I feel like, especially during his main, not that he really hasn't had a prime, but, you know, under Belichick, everything was just so crisp and, like, perfect, especially mm-hmm. those, like, clock management or at the end of each half. Um, so that was kind of surprising. I know in, in the past we've talked about how these great quarterbacks at the end of the year, they just kind of fall off a cliff. You know, Marino getting blown up by the Jaguars, and, you know, even though Peyton Manning rode off in the sunset with the Super Bowl, he really wasn't the same guy, and even kind of Drew Brees with the, the short game. Um, so that doesn't really seem to be the case. And I am curious how much of that, like, if, if he, I don't know if we have an answer, maybe we do, how much he mentally was thinking about retiring when he officially announced it, or I'm not exactly sure. But I do feel like he's definitely committed to football, or at least he can, you know, turn it on when he needs to. Yeah, I, th- there may be some lingering doubt or some second thoughts there still, maybe even third or fourth thoughts. Um, a couple more things I just want to get your thoughts on. The Raiders being the only 0-3 team, that's a little, that's a little odd. I don't want to say that they're even written off this year, McDaniels is facing the pressure, but they had high hopes. Adams isn't getting the ball. Titans kind of got back to business in that one, but I was a little stunned that the uh, Raiders are the last team winless. I'm almost more surprised that they're the only team. I mean, I feel like usually we're used to kind of like some team go, you know, 0-10, 0-11, are they going to, you know, or even that there's only, you know, two undefeated teams at 3-0, and and so, you know, I guess the 72 Dolphins can be potentially popping the champagne early, or maybe you know, this year's Dolphins will, will yeah. keep winning, so don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, and, and the Raiders are, they're a, I feel like they're kind of in that clump, too, where they just kind of can play inconsistently, and obviously they don't have, you know, they're in arguably the, the toughest division in the NFL. Um, they've had some close games, but it's, it's a tough way to go down, and it, it'll definitely be a big uh, hurdle to climb out of. We're talking about NFL, like Super Bowl hangovers, like the Bengals got back to their to a win, and you know, they still have time. I think the Rams actually lucked out with the division quality kind of dropping and some of the things that have happened. You know, they won today yeah. 20 to 12 and or won on Sunday 20 to 12, but I'm not a believer in the Cardinals. I just, they, they, they probably should be 0 and 3. Uh, the sustainability hasn't been there. We'll see if they can kind of get offensively the receivers and Cowher can gel. Uh, and then the Niners with that. So I just think the Rams are, the Rams have time to get to that level. They're not there yet, but they're definitely aided by the the quality of their division dropping significantly, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the rest of the teams are, are pretty inconsistent. I mean, they all have potential to play well or, you know, they can make a run. But, I, yeah, I don't feel like it's going to be that scary team or, you know, it's, it's not like the Bills having to overcome the Patriots every year where it's like, you know, maybe – I don't know, maybe, well, you know, 10, 7, or 11, and what is 11, 6 might, might do it this year for them. Well, let's quickly look, uh, before I let you go, at some of the big games this week. Um, and one of the ones I'm surprised to really admit it, I would have never thought this would have been a game. Shows you what we know about the NFL, but how quickly things can happen. But Eagles-Jaguars is on my watch list. Philly at home going for 4-0. Jacksonville looking very fun. Philly looking like they're one of the best, if not the best teams 
in the NFC. A weird team that just doesn't score in the second half, by the way. They just get all their points early, and they're like, we're good. But, you know, I guess we'll have to see. Are you are you buying Philly to just be this legit contender this year? I feel like I'm probably slower to be all in on them. I mean, you know, if they keep winning, I guess I'm going to have to take them seriously. Not that I don't take them seriously, but, but I feel like I, there is a part of me that still wants to see more. You know, I feel like last year they were kind of a product of a very mediocre division, and yeah, they made the playoffs. But some, you know, a team has to make the playoffs if you win the division. So, but yeah, you know, I mean, they're playing well. So hopefully, if they can, cons- they, yeah. they don't have to prove anything to me. But you know, I feel like they're at a point where they can definitely sustain it. I feel like that's your same exact thought process for this Thursday night game: Dolphins and Bengals. Like the Dolphins still beating the Bills and Ravens. You'd like to see them win one more. Is that what it would take? One more, and then you're like, okay, this is legit. Yeah, I mean, I I would still – well, I mean, there's a part of me that would still think the Bengals would almost be favored in this game. Um, yeah, they are, I mean, they're at by home. the way, by a couple points. It's yeah. close, yeah. Yeah, so that's not a huge surprise for me. You know, I, I, it is probably one of those things kind of like, you know, if they played ten times, I would probably think the Bengals would have a better shot. But, you know, Miami can pull off some crazy magic, and, you know, I, I think that – it's a good test for them because the Bengals have the experience. I think that they're better than their record shows, or they're better than the record is. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the uh, primetime games are what I'm also looking forward to the most uh, when you have Sunday night Chiefs-Bucks, both teams coming back off of a loss, and then Rams-Niners on Monday night. Uh, that Chiefs-Bucks game, I mean, one of those teams is going to be on that two-game losing streak, and I think that's just always a fascinating matchup, uh, especially from Kansas City style, you know, Mahomes got, you know, throttling that Super Bowl against that defense. So without Tyree Kill, you know, it was great the first two weeks. Everything was good. But that deep threat not being there, we're going to start to see the real, you know, can they really overcome it when they play these elite defenses, not having Hill on the field? Yeah, because, that, you know, there was all this idea that, you know, when they won the Super Bowl, it's like, okay, they're going to be the next NFL dynasty and win the next 10 Super Bowls. And that didn't seem that too crazy. But, yeah, it was just the reality of, keeping a team together and then just kind of, you know, getting ready every single game and, you know, not, not, not that they're taking it off or, or whatever, but, you know, to have that same motivation every single week. So, um, yeah, you know, I don't know how, obviously I don't think we're going to get too many uh, Brady Mahomes matchups, but definitely want to save it while you can. And, you know, hopefully there'll be, I mean, I don't care, but, you know, hopefully there'll be more scoring than the, the Packers Bucks game last week. But, you know, I think two huge competitors for sure. Well, I'll leave you with this, and I want your thoughts. Uh, three weeks in, way too early, so much football left, but I think your your primary award winners for me would be if you did an MVP right now and a defensive player and an offensive rookie, I'll just go with those three. I think you'd go Lamar Jackson, Mika Parsons, and then Drake London at Atlanta would be my offensive rookies so far. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of other rookies because there aren't any quarterbacks starting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's not any that really come come right. to mind other than him. So, um, and then yeah, I mean, you know, I think Lamar Jackson is definitely playing like his contract depends on it, uh, <laughs> which is that. great. You know, hopefully, yeah. hopefully that uh, he, you know, hopefully he stays healthy. You know, I guess Josh Allen is still in the mix, even though he definitely got taken uh, down uh-huh. with a loss a little bit. And yeah, I guess you can't. I don't know. It's hard for me to come up with someone else other than Parsons for the Cowboys. Um, I mean, other than you know, you have your mainstays of Aaron Donald. If TJ Watt was healthy, but mm. he'll be out for a while. So yeah, Parsons just getting to the quarterback better than just about anyone, literally anybody right now. So 
Uh, still a lot of football there. Adam Mustro, this was a pleasure talking NFL. Uh, last things, and I know it's not positive, but what are your thoughts on the current state of uh, Division One football in the state of Illinois? You know, because Northwestern losing to Miami of Ohio, and Illinois is uh, two touchdown underdogs against the Wisconsin team that just lost by 40 points. So where are we at with D1 football in your home state? Yeah, we. I feel like we're it, – it's tough, but, you know – Usually, if, if Northwestern can make it to a bowl game and be above 500, that's pretty good. But I feel like they've even been struggling to do that. You know, Illinois, for a while, I feel like, is trying to turn the corner. They have Lovey Smith. And, you know, it's just – I don't know if it's just the talent isn't there. A lot of inconsistency. So, it, it's tough. It's probably a, a reason I'm more of an NFL fan than a college <laughs> fan because, you know, other than the occasional Sugar Bowl or Rose Bowl once every 10 years, there's not a, a lot to root for, you know, other than the Juice Williams or the Kirk Kittner days. All right. Well, I'm sold. I can't wait to watch more of uh, Illinois college football in Northwestern. Uh, no, we'll see. Uh, still a lot of football season left, but I had to get your thoughts on that uh, ever since there was that one year when you were amped up about two, five, and six, those two, five, and six teams playing at the end of the year for bowl eligibility. So you were the person that yeah. asked. Uh, the uh, the Lansing Bowl. Yeah, it's not, now, you know, if, if Northern Illinois is having a good year or whatever, yeah. Eastern, you know, I'll root for them. I feel like I'll I'll take whoever. There you go. There you go. Adam Musto, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect, talking NFL. We'll be doing this again soon. Thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you to both guests, Matt Wittenberg and Adam Musto, for appearing on the Money Mitch Effect. And thank you to everybody out there for listening. We are on all your podcast platforms, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, to name a few. Just search Money Mitch Effect. It pops right up. Leave a rating, review, subscribe there. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page for some exclusive content. And follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. A lot more shows coming up a lot in the uh, fall season here. More football to talk about, baseball playoffs, hockey preseason has started, NBA is coming up soon, tennis season's finishing strong. we got a lot to cover, and I can't wait to do that for all of you. Thanks again to everybody for listening. This was the Money Mitch Effect. My name is Mitch Michaels. We'll see you next week. Keep enjoying sports.